Welcome to Access College on KPFK 90.7 Los Angeles, a new radio show devoted to helping students and families get better information about college admissions and better access to higher education. I'm your host, Jenny Umhofer. This week, we're talking about passion and its place in the college admissions process. Passion is the X factor in getting into college. It is the alive beating heart of the college application. It is the question that the colleges never actually ask, but always want the answer to. What is your passion? This is what I love about the college application process. The way the process challenges students to ask fundamental questions about who they are and what they want. As students embark on a lifelong journey of learning, we ask them to learn a little more about themselves. At the threshold of adulthood, we invite students to articulate what moves them, what propels them, what calls them beyond themselves to something greater. Today on Access College, a passionate conversation. In some ways, passion defies definition. It's hard to say what passion is. We know it when we see it, say, in a work of art. We know it when we experience it in a moment of doing what we love. And we know it when we hear it in the voice of a leader. I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That was, of course, civil rights leader Martin Luther King, Jr., whose passion inspired millions and literally changed the world. We have to learn to cherish this earth and cherish it as something that's fragile. It's only one. It's all we have. And we have to set up a system that is sufficiently complex to continue to monitor the whole. We have to use our scientific knowledge to correct the dangers that have come from science and technology. That was Margaret Mead, the cultural anthropologist and environmentalist, speaking on the first ever Earth Day. Joining us now is John Kobara, the former vice chancellor of external affairs at UCLA, and now the chief operating officer of the California Community Foundation, which works with nonprofits and philanthropists to bring about positive social change throughout California. John is also the father of three children, all of whom are in college or recently graduated. He's a prolific blogger, and you can find him on his blog, Swivel Time, addressing subjects like mentorship and networking. So, John, welcome. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. We're talking about passion today, and I thought of you as somebody who spent a lot of time in higher education and a lot of time thinking about the intersection between higher education and finding one's calling in life. You've written about and thought a lot about passion. So I wanted to start by asking... How do you define passion? You know, passion is one of these words, it's become a commodity. I mean, it's like love. You know, we're passionate about everything. We have passion about movies and a particular restaurant. But passion really, it comes from the soul. It comes from the heart. And it comes from kind of our courageous moments when we are really ourselves, when we're authentic. And uh, when we talk about in the context of college students, you know, trying to find the right path for them not just the path to a job and a career and to be happy ever after, but about helping them to to become themselves in this process. So I think of passion a lot of different ways. I think of Robert Frost talked about um, before he wrote a poem that he had to have a lump in his throat. 
and uh, he had to have an emotional moment to really be creative. And I think you have to have a little bit of emotion to be passionate about something. It's not just an intellectual thing like, yes, I love that, or I, I care about it. It's deeper than that. It's something that comes from pati, you know, there's a lot of roots to passion, but about it's about suffering a little bit. I think we suffer a little bit before we discover what we care about. So passion is a deep word for me. I guess in the context of youth, it is really trying to find out what people care about. What do you see as the role of college in helping students find their passion? Well, I hope it is a place where they can find their passion. I think there's so much of pressure on young people today at a very early age to study the right things, to accumulate the right kinds of coursework, avocational service, so they can get in the right college and become the right thing. And so there's a lot of pressure on people. There's a book I read a long time ago called Hand Me Down Dreams, Mm -hmm. and where parents and other people hand down their dreams through their young people because they want them to become what they weren't. And this sort of vicarian thing, you know, where you need to be like this because this this is the recipe for success. I think education broadly higher education more specifically, is a time for young people to really discover who they are and what's inside of them that they want to express and become. We know that uh, college students change their majors at least two and a half times. Part of that is this struggle with what's right, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to be a doctor, I'm supposed to be a lawyer, I'm supposed to be this. And then they can't do math or they have a struggle with a particular course or they figure out i got to do something or their peers tell them something. So they're looking for the right thing. What happens in college, I think, is all these pressures and what's next. Everybody's preparing for what's next. They're not present for what's happening now because I'm going to go to grad school. I'm obviously going to do this. I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to be a doctor. And so what's going on now, enjoying the classes and having the self-discovery in those classes a lot of criticism of liberal arts education today. I'm, I'm a big believer in having that broad, very broad understanding of the world and then to figure out where I fit in that world and not to get so specialized and so honed in on a path that doesn't allow you to understand who you are and what you can be. So as a parent, <laughs> you've been through the college admissions process three times. Survived it. <laughs> And I noticed on your blog you wrote a post about passion that described your daughter's college visit to Stanford. What did you see as the role of passion in your daughter's college application process? Well, you know, we all try to be good parents. And part of it is because of how we were parented and how we watch others. But parenting is this strange art and a strange science. And you start to do it and you don't know what you're doing. And you try to figure it out. So we have three kids. And our first daughter, you know, we had sort of a formula for doing it. And she turned out great. And we thought, well, maybe that's going to work with the next one. And what you learn from any kid, they're so different. And until you allow for those differences and understand how the DNA cocktail reveals itself in amazing ways, if you're not paying attention to that, then you're not going to understand what the passion thing is or where they might go. What they should do, there's a lot of rules about that. But who they are. So my middle daughter, Malia, you know, she has a lot of talent and a lot of different interests. Uh, Just to tell you one brief story is after her freshman year, she applied as a biology major. She had a great GPA, high scores, and all that stuff, and got in as a biology major. 
and was studying biology. And after her freshman year, I took her out to dinner, and I said, tell me about biology. And she goes, oh, I'm so good at it. And I said, I know you're good at it, but do you like it? No, I don't like it, but I'm very good at it. But why do you like it? Well, because I'm going to get a good job. Oh, really? What kind of job? Well, I'm going to be in research, maybe marine biology in research. And I said, well, why do you go into that? She goes, it pays well. And I said, well, okay, that's interesting. But what? tell me the classes that you won't be able to take, you know, because you're in labs and you're in science. And she looked at me and she went crazy. And she rattled off 13 classes from Italian to Greek mythology to African-American studies and on and on and on, art history. And I said, Malia, when you talked about those 13 classes, your eyes changed, your facial expression changed, your whole engagement with me changed. So I want you to take those classes. I'm paying for education. Your, your mom and I are lucky enough to pay for your education. I want you to take those classes. She says, what's my major going to be? I don't know. Figure it out. <laughs> and she looked at me across the dinner table, and she said, you're a bad dad. <laughs> you, you obviously don't know what you're doing. I'm a biology major. I'm fine. And you're messing me up. And I said, well, I didn't mean to. Anyway, so uh, nine months went by, and she saw me during the holidays, and she said, um, by the way, Dad, I changed my major. And you messed me up, and now I'm going to be global studies. And I'm taking Italian because I love it. I'm going to Italy and to study abroad, and you're going to pay for that. And I said, I would be happy to pay for that. (laughs) And she studied a year in Bologna and is fluent in Italian now, and she's on a completely different path. I got lucky on that one, but helping her to figure out what she wanted to do, I think, was the best, most important job I have as a parent. In my work with students, I noticed that they have a hard time identifying something they're passionate about in high school. Yet, as a former admissions officer, I always was interested in the student who could express some kind of passion in their application, beyond the grades and scores, a passion for something they were involved in outside of school or an academic subject. As a parent, what did you notice about your children's efforts to communicate their passions from high school on their applications? Yeah, I think, uh, starting with your first question, I think the P word is very intimidating um, because if you understand what it is, most people say, even adults say, I'm not sure I'm passionate about anything right now. I, 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 but I, I like things. I'm curious about things. So what I tried to do was say, not use the P word. In fact, I, I used it very infrequently with my children. I just talked about curiosity and interest and use those as the locus for orbits, for the constellation of things. I mean, I think one of the things I've learned is people don't have one or two passions. They have multiple passions. And how do you have the small ones or the big ones or the medium-sized ones? How do you help them kind of nurture those things and identify them? I I do this thing uh, with young people where I say, well, tell me about something you do where you lose the sense of time, Mm. where you Mm -hmm. get so engaged with this. And it could be something silly. What is it? And they tell me. They instantly tell me it's a, a video game or it's art or it's playing the violin or whatever it is. And I say, well, that's something important we have to build around because that's something you care about. I can't do a job doing that. Not yet, but we can think about that. What, is the, what are the elements of that that really excite you? So I, don't, I try to hesitate to use the P word and uh, help people think about interests and curiosities and, and the sort of the constellations of those interests and curiosities so that they can identify with those and embrace them. On your blog, you talk about something called a passion diagnostic. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I, I made up this phrase, and it makes it sound somewhat scientific, but trying to help people through a series of questions that are really about them, 
about, like this thing about, you know, where do they lose a sense of time? What are they curious about? What do they see as things that they enjoy deeply? And start to identify things. In my work today in, in philanthropy, I meet lots of very wealthy and successful people who now are going to devote themselves to philanthropy. And this is where they're going to rediscover themselves again. But they've also developed so many sort of um, barriers and compartmentalizations about themselves. So, you know, philanthropy is going to be easy, and I've built industries and companies, and how hard could this be? I'm just going to give people that need money, and I'm going to give it to them. I mean, you know, why do we have to get so personal about this? Well, no, if you want to get engaged with your philanthropy and actually make it meaningful to you besides others, it has to matter because it's not just about money. It's now making an impact. It's changing people's lives. It's making a difference. It's leaving your imprint. We'll talk about legacy. And these are things that go, wow, I wasn't thinking about this. I was just going to write checks. And so the passion diagnostic was a, a process that I just take people through questions. It's more of a question process than an answer process because they have to answer the questions. Mm -hmm. It's the process of trying to dig deep within themselves to say, what matters to me? There's this, you know, it's, it's it, what matters from my childhood? What matters from my values? What matter, matters from things that I look out in the world and think they should be changed and there should be a difference? And once you start aggregating and inventorying those things, again, going back to the constellation, you say, hey, it seems to me you should be thinking about these areas for your philanthropy. Let's go meet some people. Well, so in closing, you have some terrific advice on your blog, Swivel Time. Any advice you have for parents heading into the college application process? If I could give you a bottle of patience, an extra bottle of patience, because you're going to need an extra dose of patience, because <laughs> the way you applied for college, by the way, nothing to do with this. I don't care when you graduated, when you applied. This is a different process. And besides, big deal, not you. This is your child like you, similar to you, maybe or maybe not. But how do you understand the needs of your child and your offspring? And yes, you want the best for them. Take them through a process. Once you understand that, like where they should apply and you start to understand the breadth of options, which are far greater than you realize today. Uh, I don't know how many higher education institutions there are in North America, but 5,000 or whatever there are today with for-profit and non-profit and state institutions and private institutions. So trying to understand what's the right fit for your child is going to take a little bit of work on your behalf of listening and being attentive to your child's needs and also pushing, as you always do, to figure out other options that they might put into their, their choices. Thank you so much, John. My pleasure. <laughs> your insights are invaluable. If you would like to learn more about John Cabara and his blog, you can check out swiveltime.com. That's S-W-I-V-E-L-T-I-M-E dot com. We're now joined by Melissa Palmer, a longtime college counselor at the prestigious Oakwood School in North Hollywood. For the past 15 years, Melissa has been helping students translate their passions into successful college applications. So, Melissa, what do you think colleges are looking for in the passion department? I think that in the past, like when we were applying to college, colleges were looking for well-rounded students. And I think that 
the parents who are raising the children who are applying to college now are still under the impression that their kids need to be really good at a lot of things. And in fact, I think what colleges are just as happy to recognize is a student who maybe brings two or three passions and interests to the table, things that they have pursued for a long time at a very in-depth level. That's plenty. I'm thinking about a student who, through a faculty member, got involved with something at Oakwood called the Chiapas Project, where they work with these women's cooperatives in Chiapas, Mexico, selling their artisan crafts and clothing here in California. And all of the money that they raise from those sales goes right back to the cooperatives in Chiapas. And so our students organize house parties and clothing sales at school. And then about a dozen of them will go to Chiapas as part of a student delegation in June. So that seems like a pretty innocent activity. I'm selling goods at a fair, but a year later, now I have an opportunity to go and meet these women whose families I'm helping to support. Kids who have been involved with Chiapas Project have then gone on to realize that they're really passionate about social justice issues and have gone on to find other service learning opportunities. And a couple of those students have then brought the Chiapas Project to their college campuses. I had another student this year who faced a very serious surgery as a 13-year-old at Children's Hospital. The outcome was excellent. She was so moved by her care at Children's that she, at 16, as soon as she was old enough, became a volunteer at Children's Hospital and is now, uh, this September, she'll be a freshman in college and a pre-med major. So I think sometimes these passions and interests grow out of things that happen to us in our lives that we look back and reflect on and think, wow, that was an amazing experience. What, what could I do with that? Both of those students wrote about those experiences in their college essay. So, you know, the other beautiful thing here, of course, is you have this activity that you're really passionate about, and of course, it's going to naturally lend itself to a great college essay. Another of my students was an excellent home cook and also had the good fortune of being taken to some of LA's best restaurants with his parents and was so impressed by his dining experience at one of these restaurants that he went home that night and sent an email to the chef owner of the restaurant and said, I'd like to intern for you. I'll do anything. I'll take out the garbage. He had no aspirations to be paid or promoted. And she was so taken with his email that she hired him on. For three years, he catered with her and got to know the dishwashers and the prep wow. cooks. And that was his college essay, was just sort of living in kitchen culture in Los Angeles and wow. how different that was from his suburban experience. And to approach it with such a pure heart and to to yeah. to see it as something of an opportunity for him to learn yeah. versus something for him to put on his college application or... Exactly. No. And I think, you know, I don't know if it's because the school where I work is so good at just approaching everything from a very organic place rather than sort of inventing, you know, things for kids to do that kids at Oakwood very often feel comfortable knowing that there's value in the things that they love and going out and contacting people about those things, not being afraid to approach the chef owner. 
You know, I find in my work with students, it's hard to get them to focus on what they're really passionate about sometimes. Mm -hmm. Why do you think it's hard for students to talk about their passion in the college application? I think that the college application itself is so intimidating that when they think of their hobbies and interests in light of the college application, they don't see how a college could possibly value the fact that they like to play the guitar and that they sometimes perform at a local open mic night or in their high schools. They don't imagine how a college could possibly value that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think if we can de-emphasize the college application part of that conversation and just talk with them about the things that they are interested in, we can pull out the common thread of those interests. They want to see involvement. They want to see involvement in two or three things at a fairly deep level, and they want to be able to imagine how those things that the student is involved in would benefit the campus community. I think that the more selective colleges, uh, those colleges in the country who admit 30% or less of their applicant pool, are certainly going to be looking for those kids who've really distinguished themselves within their activities, where possible have taken them to a leadership level within their high schools, or who have gained state or national recognition. Again, I think it's pretty intimidating to think in those terms. But yes, if we are talking about super selective schools, then they are looking to see that these activities have been done over an extended period of time and and to the highest possible level that the student could achieve. It strikes me that one of the most important things about passion is trying to develop it early. What do you do at Oakwood to try to help? You've kind of already talked about this. Anything else sort of theoretically or uh, in general that you do at an early age? I know you have middle school students there too. I think in middle school there is a service learning requirement Because of the art requirement, which can also be fulfilled through music, you know, again, we've got kids who are being exposed to this immersion program, to music, to athletics. There's an athletic requirement. They are being exposed to things that will eventually translate into the things that they pursue in high school. So again, I don't worry about that for Oakwood kids, but I think if you're not at Oakwood and you're a parent of a middle school kid who's not involved in much, I think it's time to sit down with your child and have that conversation. What is it that you enjoy doing when you're not working on your schoolwork? Do you enjoy sports? Do you enjoy art? Do you enjoy music? Do you enjoy theater? And I think you know, if this conversation isn't happening very naturally between the parent and the child, it's sometimes helpful to ask the child, what do, what do your friends do? Because mm-hmm. I very mm-hmm. often see students inspire other students mm-hmm. to join them in activities just so that they can spend more time together and have fun. I think about the numbers of my students who have wound up following in their parents' footsteps. One of my students who is the most interested in social justice issues. Her father and her mother are both deeply engaged volunteers in the LA community. 
And as they were going around Los Angeles volunteering through her growing up years, they always took her with them. So parents model more than they sometimes appreciate in terms of the things that they expose their children to. And Jenny, the other thing that I would like to touch on too is the idea that we have to give kids the space and the time to sort of tinker and discover and explore. Turn that video game off because that's not real time tinkering and exploring. But I think so many kids are so overscheduled and so overprogrammed that they don't have the time to sort of sit back and consider what it is that they really love to do. Are they being forced into these overscheduled activities by ambitious parents who think that their kid has to do this activity in order to be an attractive college applicant, when in fact what the kid really needs to be doing is something that is inherently interesting to them? When I think about when I worked in college admissions, the the applications that really jumped off the page were the ones that had sort of a real authentic, genuine level of interest in what was happening versus students who you could really tell had, had manufactured or put together an extracurricular activity list right. that was trying to impress you. Yes, the greatest hits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the authenticity and the uh, starting with self first um, is so valuable right. and the time and space to discover the self yes. you know, through this process. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think that kids underestimate how important it is to go through the college application process if only to be given the opportunity or maybe the command <laughs> to really sit back and, and think about what they've done and what they have enjoyed the most. So we've been speaking with Melissa Palmer from the Oakwood School. If you'd like to learn more about Oakwood, you can visit them at www.oakwoodschool.org. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jenny. As a college admissions officer, I reviewed thousands of applications, but there are several that stand out for me to this day. There was the young scientist who co-authored Shakespeare for Dummies because he loved Shakespearean verse so much. And the compassionate writer who interviewed homeless teens and published their stories in her high school's newspaper. The reason I remember these applications, these students, is because they had found their passion and found a way to tell me what it was. This is what you want in a college application. This is the stuff beyond the grades and the scores. This is about more than making an impression. It's about searing a sense of who you are into the minds of the people who matter. So reassess what resonates with you. Pursue a higher purpose. Find out where your focus comes easy. Cultivate your core interests. And learn how to write and talk about your passion. It'll all come in handy when it comes time to apply to college. Tune in next Saturday at 9 a.m. as we discuss another important piece of the college admissions puzzle. College personalities. I'd like to thank my guests, John Kobara and Melissa Palmer, and of course, Colin Chalmers, my awesome intern and editor. If you'd like to learn more about my work with students and families, please visit thecollege.org. That's T-H-E-C-O-L-L-E-D-G-E dot org. This is your host, Jenny Umhofer, on Access College on KPFK 90.7 Los Angeles. Until next time. It's amazing the happiness you bring upon I never had no cold night with you